All right, welcome back everybody to Crowd Noise Podcast, Thursday, November 15th, 2018. My name is Steven Martinez, the same Steven Martinez who all but guaranteed a Patriots win last week over the Titans, and I could not have been more wrong on that uh, assumption. Uh, the Titans just dismantled the Patriots at home. Uh, Tom Brady looked like he was 61 instead of 41, and uh, it made me look uh, pretty foolish. So thanks for that one, Tom. Uh, but we're back. That's what we do. We come back every single week, no matter uh, how horrible or horrendous our picks were last week. We come back, and it's a new week. We got some uh, uh, great college games this week. Well, actually, that's a lie. We got some really boring college games this week. It's a really weird uh, weekend for college football. I don't know uh, who makes the schedules. I'm, I don't know who's in, in charge of that. I'm, I assume that every school um, kind of schedules their own opponents uh, as far as non-conference. Um, you can't really make your choice uh, who you're going to play in conference. That's kind of like a random. Uh, it's kind of random, I guess. But uh, this week, there are some really, I mean, boring games in college. It just it just worked out. Alabama's playing the Citadel. So, um, yeah, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine what that's going to look like, the final score. Uh, everyone's kind of panicking because Tua Togovailoa is starting that game. Look, he's starting the game. No one said anything about him finishing the game. It's going to be over by halftime. So all Tua has to do is play two quarters and, and be done with it. And you can just, Alabama should be up by 70 uh, by that point. So you can justify sitting Tua Togovailoa for the, the second half. It's not going to be a big deal. Everyone, I mean, you can calm down on that one. Uh, some really bad college games this weekend, I'm not going to lie. But we have some fantastic NFL games this week. Uh, Sunday is where it's at. There's some great uh, NFL games this week. Uh, this Sunday. Tonight, too, also. We always do the Thursday night games. And we have plenty of NBA today. I mean, last this past week, from last Thursday to today, there's just so much NBA drama going on. It's the easiest sport to talk about if you ever want to be a podcaster or, or a broadcaster for all you kids out there listening. Just talk NBA. You can go on for three hours about one topic. Uh, we got we got some stuff to cover today for the NBA. So let's go ahead and get uh, right into it, college football. Let's get that out of the way because it's not very intriguing this week. I'm not going to lie. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the third college football playoff rankings for this season just came out. And the top ten, and the more importantly, I guess, the top six were exactly the same. So this week we're going to go ahead and count down from 15 to 1. Number 15, Texas, uh, back in the top 15. Then 14, Penn State. 13, Florida. Number 12, Syracuse. We're going to talk about them in a minute. Uh, number 11, UCF. Number 10, Ohio State. West Virginia, number 9. Number 8, Washington State is still hanging around. Number 7, LSU is still hanging around. Uh, number 6, Oklahoma. Number 5, Georgia. Number 4, Michigan. Number 3, Notre Dame. Number 2, Clemson. And number one, Alabama, still on top. So uh, our three games this week, nothing changed uh, in the top ten, which I agree. I mean, nothing really happened to justify changing. I mean, I guess you could have moved, you could have swapped uh, Washington State and LSU. I'm still confused as to why LSU's in the top seven. I mean, if you're number seven, you're you're still very much in range of making the playoff. And LSU has two losses, and they're not going to have a chance at a conference championship. So I don't see any way. Uh, they get into the playoffs. So let's just go ahead and start moving them down. There are other teams, uh, Washington State, West Virginia, Ohio State, all still very much in the mix uh, that should I think should be ranked ahead of LSU. Uh, they're, they're a great team, but once you have two losses, uh, you need a whole bunch of help, and it's uh, a little bit too late in the season for uh, anything major to happen. 
for them to, I mean, it's going to take a whole lot for LSU to get in the playoff. That's, I mean, it's, but it's not going to happen. Uh, first game we are picking this week. It's the best game of the week. So wisely we're doing it first instead of doing it last. Uh, number 12, Syracuse. Uh, they're listed as the road team at number three, Notre Dame. But that game is not in South Bend. That game is in Yankee Stadium. It's a neutral uh, neutral site game. That one's in Yankee Stadium. Uh, Notre Dame and Syracuse. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, Notre Dame has really been trending down these past few weeks. Everyone's kind of uh, really, really down on them. People feel like they're overhyped and that they really shouldn't be up there. I mean, they haven't been playing well. They uh, they beat Notre, Northwestern, excuse me. They beat Northwestern by 14 points, which isn't isn't really a lot. I mean, Northwest, Northwestern is um, not one to be scoffed at, but if you're the number three team in the nation, you should be uh, pretty much steamrolling your competition. So people are kind of kind of down on the Notre Dame hype train. Uh, they're looking like if if there was a lot of chaos, say Alabama loses to Georgia, or uh, or maybe not necessarily Michigan, but uh, if Ohio State were to beat Michigan um, and get back up there, if Oklahoma were to run the table and win uh, the Big 12 title, uh, it looks like Notre Dame could be that one team that's left out that has the biggest uh, case to get in, uh, and they get left out. Because even though they they beat Michigan uh, week one, should Michigan run the table, beat Ohio State, and then beat uh, what would be uh, Northwestern, ironically, in the Big 10 uh, title game, uh, I think they'd have a better case to get in rather than Notre Dame, despite being beaten by Notre Dame. But that was way back in week one. Uh, Shea Patterson it was his very first game uh, in the maize and blue. Uh, and Michigan is just hot. Conversely, how Notre Dame is trending downwards, Michigan is trending upwards. Everyone's really hot, uh, high on Michigan. Uh, did I say Michigan State? They're, everyone's high on Michigan. Um, they're, I'm making quote to air quotes here. They're the hottest team in the country. People like to throw that that title around every year. Who's the hottest team in the country? Who could win right now? Um, I don't disagree. I mean, Michigan's been playing fantastic. It looks like they're getting better week after week. But I don't agree with the hottest team in the country. Clemson is still steamrolling people. Alabama hasn't skipped a beat. They haven't given up a point in the last nine quarters. So, I mean, how, are, how is Michigan uh, any hotter than Alabama? I've, I've been on the Alabama uh, bandwagon since week one. I mean, if you guys, I'm sure you guys are sick about here in Alabama and how fantastic they are. I, I personally believe when it's all said and done, this is going to go down as one of the great college teams ever. I mean, they're that good. And think two is coming back this season, so they might be even better next year. Uh, but again, enough about Alabama. We're talking about Notre Dame. They play Syracuse this week. Syracuse is uh, this is a really, really tough matchup for Notre Dame. It's kind of a scary game. A night game on a neutral site. Uh, Syracuse, uh, they're no joke, man. They're number 12 in the country, top 15. And Dino Barber is the head coach for the Orange. Uh, they have, they're playing the best. This is their best record uh, since he's taken over that job, uh, I want to say three years ago. This is the best Syracuse team that he's had. And uh, his name is getting thrown around a lot uh, to take over another big-name program, whether it be Oklahoma, should uh, Lincoln Riley go to the NFL, and uh, or USC win uh, Clay Helton is indefinitely uh, fired from USC. He needs to get out of there. So uh, Dino uh, Barber's is def- his name is definitely being thrown around. He's one of the hotter tickets uh, in college. Uh, but right now he's got to worry about the number three team in the nation at Yankee Stadium. Uh, since uh, Brian Kelly has moved to Ian Book over Brandon Wimbush, Notre Dame. That's when I said way back when that Notre Dame was the second best team in the country. Uh, I meant it then, but I was wrong. I mean it's Clemson right now, and then it's pretty much. 
I would say Michigan is better than Notre Dame right now. I'd have them at number three and Michigan at number four. But uh, like I have also said in weeks prior, I'm not in charge of the committee, which I think I should be, but uh, it's a little bit above my pay grade. Um, since they moved to Ian Book, man, they've been really balanced. And that's when I, I was really buying into the Irish. I said they were the second best team in the country because they were able to run the ball. Of course, Notre Dame is always a power running football team. We know we're going to get there. But they were able to stretch the field and throw the ball downfield with Ian Book. Um, they've, been, they've done that a little bit less so since, uh, since I said they were the second best team in the country. And Ian Book was doubtful to start this week with a rib injury. It wasn't a break. It was, I guess it was just a bruise. But Brian Kelly says it is, quote, pretty clear that he's going to be starting this week. So uh, Ian Book's going to have, he's going to start. He's going to be ready to go against uh, the Orange. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to take the Irish to win. Uh, Syracuse has given uh, Clemson all they can handle these past two years. They beat them last year. They nearly beat them this year. Um, and I think Clemson is better than Notre Dame. But on a neutral side, I mean, I think Notre Dame, uh, they're really, their offensive line is all consistently one of the best in the country. Year in and year out. As, as you can count on Clemson to have the best defensive line in the country, you can count on Notre, Notre Dame to have the best offensive line in the country. They've got to control the time of possession, turn it into a classic a Big Ten game, uh, even though Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten. But they kind of, they're kind of in limbo. They go in the Big Ten sometimes, and they go in the ACC sometimes. They need to play like... Uh, they're in the Big Ten, a really low-scoring game for Notre Dame to win. Uh, it's not what I have here. Uh, Notre Dame, 27 to 15. I'll take them in Yankee Stadium. They got to keep winning. They got to keep winning. Uh, a loss here would end their. They'd be done. Even with a one loss, even with one loss on the resume, they'd be done because even though Syracuse is a top 15 team, Notre Dame doesn't have the rest of the resume uh, that anyone else would have. Uh, specifically, Michigan, if they were to beat Ohio State, which we're gonna get into. Uh, in just a little bit. Yeah, we have Michigan on the slate. So, well, let, let's not spoil it. So, second game uh, we have here, and here's what I was talking about. These are really boring games this week. Uh, unranked Arizona at number eight, Washington State in, in Pullman, Washington. Uh, I said a few weeks ago that Washington State has absolutely zero chance to get into the playoff. It's just not going to happen. Um, and it, they haven't lost. I expected them to lose uh, after I said that, and they haven't. They've been winning... Uh, decidedly these past few games uh they haven't gone anywhere they have a heisman contender uh who's going to lose to uh to a toga Bailoa. you can mark that down uh gardner Minshew. i'm getting his name right gardner Minshew, uh who has the best if not the only might be the only might be the best by default but nonetheless the best mustache in all of college football i will give him that much if he doesn't win the heisman he needs to win the next i don't know what award maybe the ditka award for the best mustache in the country, I mean, hands down, he's got he's got a great stash. So I'll give him that much. I'm gonna I'm I'm fair. He's not gonna win the Heisman, but he should win best mustache. That's I mean, undoubtedly. With that mustache, he has led Washington State to a one loss record. That one loss, ironically, we're gonna get into that right now. To horrendous USC. I mean, this is uh, well. Let, let's let's uh, get into that in a minute. They're gonna be playing Arizona, who's been. They're Arizona. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. They're not very good. Kevin Sumlin's first year in Arizona. I forgot Kevin Sumlin, Kevin Sumlin even coached in Arizona. I mean, they're not very good. The Pac-12 um, is easily, excuse me, is easily the worst Power 5 conference uh, in the country. I, they're worse than the Big 12. I mean, it's, it, it's, they're, they're worse than the Big 12. Maybe they have a better top end. Or no, that's not true. You can't say that. They're worse. They are the worst Power 5 conference in uh, all of college football, including the Big 12, because the Big 12 has Oklahoma at number six and West Virginia at number nine. Uh, the Pac-12 has Washington State at number eight. And then I don't know who else after that. There's nobody else in the top 15. And I think 
I don't think Stanford is even ranked. Oregon is unranked for sure. As I said earlier, SC is horrendous. So the Pac-12, easily the worst conference in all of college football. But that could be a double-edged sword for Washington State as far as getting into the playoff, and here is why. Because the Pac-12 is so terrible, and believe me, they are, Washington State is most likely going to win the Pac-12. So they will have a conference championship under their belt. That is one. Number two, uh, well, obviously, being a conference champion, you'd have to run the table for the the remaining uh, schedule, and they should be able to do that. They play Arizona this week. I don't, I mean, Washington State should win that one. I'm taking Washington State. Uh, 38 to 14, there's your score, and we'll get that out of the way. Now let's talk about the playoff. Um, So the Pac-12 being so weak, being as weak as it is, they should be able to run the table. There's no one in the South who I could see um, beating Washington State, uh, Right now, I don't even know who's first place in the Pac-12 South. I think it's Colorado or Utah. Uh, I think USC is still alive, as, hor- as horrible as they've been. I think they're still in the uh, race for the South. They're actually the only team this year to beat Washington State. That game was in the Coliseum. Ironically, as horrible as USC's been, they've beat a top-10 team in the nation, uh, apparently, this year, which, I mean, is, def- is a horrible loss for Washington State. That one loss is really going to come back to bite them. But if you are Washington State, you cannot be mad at USC anymore. You have to be the biggest USC fans uh, in the country, outside of uh, Los Angeles, California, because USC's final game this year, they will be playing Notre Dame. And for Washington State to get into the playoff, they need they need a very there's like a really specific recipe for Washington State to sneak into the playoff and get pummeled by Alabama. And here it is: they need every they need to go chalk except for two teams. They need Alabama to win uh, against Georgia. They can't, if Georgia wins, Washington State's done. Even if they run the table, they're not getting in. So they need Alabama to win. They need. Uh, Michigan to win. They need Michigan to beat Ohio State to eliminate Ohio State and keep Michigan in the playoff. Uh, obviously, they need Clemson to win out, which I mean, everyone's pretty confident that they'll uh, win out. The ACC is probably just as bad uh, as the Pac-12, but the ACC has Clemson and the Pac-12 doesn't. And the reason they need USC to win is because they play Notre Dame the last game uh, of this season. And if Notre Dame were to lose that last game, they're finished because it would be one loss to a horrible team, as I said uh, countless times. The USC is just bad. Uh, they'd have one loss, and it would be the last game of the season for Notre Dame. And the committee is really big on, what have you done for me lately? What's the last uh, image they've seen of you? And if the last game of the season for Notre Dame is a loss against uh, this this USC team, it's easily the worst uh, Trojans team in the last 15 years. This is just about as bad as it was before Pete Carroll got to USC. It's nearly uh, that bad. They might not make a bowl game this year at USC. That's how terrible they are. So Washington State needs them to beat Notre Dame because Notre Dame would be finished. Um, who's ahead of them oh obviously Georgia losing to Alabama would eliminate them and they would need Oklahoma to lose against West Virginia in which case it's a toss-up between Washington State uh, and West Virginia for that one last spot uh, would be in the fourth spot and then ultimately you got in the playoff congratulations now you got to play Alabama they'd lose that game but uh, for Washington State good for you man you got into the playoff that's a big deal uh, for Washington State especially for the Pac-12 because uh, the Pac-12 is just terrible. Them and the Big 12 have had the least amount of representatives uh, in the playoff uh, since the uh, college football playoff era. So that'd be a big deal for Washington State to get in. Uh, A lot needs to happen. Uh, It's possible, but very unlikely. I would say Washington State probably would not get into uh, the college football playoff. They could. I mean, that's a very realistic scenario. I've been saying every single week in college football, people like to to conjure up the, the most terrifying scenarios ever. What if Alabama loses, then what happens? That's not going to happen. Alabama's not going to lose. So for Washington State to get in, they need Alabama to win, which is very likely to happen. So in that case, 
Washington State should feel pretty good about their chances running the table, number one, because if they don't run the table, they're not getting in. And number two, Alabama winning. The one, <laughs> the one aspect of this whole scenario that is really not going for Washington State is Notre Dame losing to USC. Um, I really do not see that one happen. Last year was the worst loss um, in the USC-Notre Dame rivalry. Uh, it was the biggest win for Notre Dame over USC in their rivalry's history. And that was with Sam Darnold. Uh, this year, they do not have Sam Darnold. Spoiler alert. So I don't see that happening. Washington State, you had a good run. Uh, they could play in the Rose Bowl, though. That's pretty good for Washington State to get into the Rose Bowl, where they would likely play. Uh, they'd have the right to lose to Ohio State uh, in this scenario because they need Ohio State to lose against Michigan. Uh, so they would get to lose to those guys. So good for you. You got to the Rose Bowl. Congratulations, Washington State. And our very uh, our final game this week in college, another another barn burner here. Uh, Indiana unranked at number four, Michigan in the big house. Uh, wow, I don't have much to say about this one. Uh, not much about the game. I didn't even put. Oh, I did put a score here. Uh, Michigan fifty to three, and I mean it. I mean Michigan has probably the best uh, defense in the country. Um, outside, of, or maybe not outside, their defense is a, a par with uh, Alabama and Clemson. Michigan might have the best of the three. Um, they've had the best defense all year long. Since losing to Michigan, their defense has been locked down. Uh, they're playing horrendous Indiana. So we're not going to really talk about talk much about that game specifically. What we are going to talk about is next week. We're one week away, or maybe not one directly week away, but uh, we're two Saturdays away, counting this Saturday. From the biggest game in college football, in the, se- in the regular season of college football, Michigan, Ohio State. After that game, this job gets so much easier because it's going to make the playoff picture so much clearer. Whoever wins that game, we're going to have a very clear picture of who's getting in, uh, who's getting left out. Because the loser of that game is eliminated. They're, they're done because either one of those teams would have two losses. Um, and that, like I said, that's pretty much a kiss of death uh, for getting in the playoff. If you have two losses, you're not, you're not getting in. So uh, we're one week away from Michigan-Ohio State. That game is going to clear up a lot of scenarios. They could eliminate other teams. Like I said, Washington State uh, is dependent on Ohio State losing. I would argue that um, West Virginia needs Ohio State. to. I mean, any, if Ohio State is out and you eliminate another team, that helps everybody who's on the bubble. And there's only uh, two teams who I think are officially in. Alabama and Clemson should Michigan win well no I can't say that I was gonna say should Michigan win their punch their ticket but they have one loss remember so if they were to, they have to run the table they could lose that Big Ten championship game they probably won't but they could so their ticket will not uh, be punched if should they beat Ohio State officially I feel like Clemson if they were with a loss they're getting in uh, Alabama with a loss is still getting in I don't feel that way about Michigan um, so they if they run the table they're getting in obviously but it's not official if they beat Ohio State, and the same thing for Ohio State. Being at number 10, they have some ground to cover. Uh, but a win against Michigan State, a playoff team as of right now, would definitely go a long way for the Buckeyes. Uh, they would still need some help. If Ohio State were to win, they beat Michigan, being number four. They could jump up to at least number eight or number seven. Uh, if it's a dominant win, they can jump They can jump up to the first two out, uh, five or six, and Michigan would probably drop down to um, – Still in the top 15, but I'd say in double digits, like 10, 11, or maybe even 12, uh, depending how lost that would be for Michigan. Uh, where is that game? Uh, we'll have to find out next week. This is why I was saying last week, I need to start fact-checking. I put myself into a corner right there. Um, 
yeah, so if Ohio State wins that game, uh, it definitely causes a lot of chaos. Um, a lot of teams that are on the bubble, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington State, West Virginia, those four teams are really hoping Michigan um, wins that game and it remains chalk because if you add another, if you put Ohio State back into the mix, then it just creates all kinds of uh, chaos. And Ohio State has a very uh, recent history of sneaking in the playoff over um, and snubbing a lot of other teams. So uh, a lot of those four teams definitely hoping for a Michigan win next week. And the hypotheticals are over. Once that game, once we get done with that game, there's no more hypotheticals. What if this team wins? And what if that team wins? And what if this team wins and that team loses? There's no more of that because the picture becomes so much more clearer. Uh, you, li- you, know, you limit the number of playoff contenders down to maybe six or seven versus uh, right now. Everyone in the top 10 is pretty much still alive. I think there's only about six who could uh, realistically get in there, but they're all, all 10 are alive. They still uh, have very much of a good chance to get into the playoff um yeah after that 11 UCF number 12 Syracuse they're not getting in so the top 10 all of the top 10 are still alive I feel like six could realistically get in that's Alabama Clemson uh Notre Dame Michigan uh Ohio State and Oklahoma or did I already say Oklahoma I might have Alabama Clemson Notre Dame Michigan Oklahoma uh, and Ohio State those are the six teams that I could see getting in Uh, I don't see Georgia getting in because they're not beating Alabama uh, I don't see West Virginia getting in because they're not beating uh, Oklahoma. And LSU, like I said, they're not getting in because they got two losses. So uh, a lot rides uh, on next week's game, Michigan and Ohio State. I'm taking Michigan this week, 50-3 to over Indiana. So that is it for college. Let's go ahead and move on to the uh, NFL games this weekend. There's some great games. I mean, some great games this weekend. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into that. But tonight... Packers and the Seahawks Thursday night football. That one's going to be in Seattle. Um, these two teams are like I, they're mirror images of each other. Really kind of disappointing. They're not bad, but they're not really they're not they're not Super Bowl contenders. I mean, period. Uh, they're sort of kind of playoff contenders, but not really. Um, kind of really di- kind of disappointing defenses. Uh, two great quarterbacks. Two great coaches. Um, some somewhat decent maybe i mean not even decent running games uh seattle found a running game last week with uh, mike davis and uh, Pete carroll kind of got back to his roots more power football power running uh and mike davis looked really good uh i think chris carson is scheduled to come back this week though so what i mean who knows what's going to work uh how that's going to work out tonight um and aaron uh, excuse me and the packers found a running game last week uh with aaron jones who hails from the worst football program uh, the history of the sport, the UTEP Miners, but he's doing pretty well in the NFL. He had over 100 yards rushing last week, so I, I can't hate on that. Um, he's doing he's doing really good for the Packers. So um, they're they're kind of like the exact same team, the Packers and the Seahawks. And if that's the case for me, it always comes down to okay, who has the better quarterback play? Russell Wilson is great, but Aaron Rodgers is the greatest. So I'm going to take the Packers this week, uh, 28 to 25. I, it, I think it comes down to a, the classic Aaron Rodgers uh, game-winning touchdown drive uh, in Seattle. They, these teams are really about the same. I don't think either of these teams are going to make the playoffs, especially because the South uh, is so contested. I mean, you can have three teams in the playoffs from the South, potentially, um, but the Falcon, I don't think the Falcons will get in there be- either because, I mean, man, they've just been a, such a big disappointment uh, this year. But they're in the race. They're still in the hunt. The Falcons are... Um, so are the as are the Packers and the Seahawks. I don't think either of those teams uh, will get in because they just, I mean, I don't think they're dynamic enough, either of them. But I'll take the Packers tonight to make the NFC North race 
that much tighter. So with that, the NFC North is a big game uh, in that division this week. Uh, the Vikings at the Bears in Chi-Town. Uh, the Vikings are playing the Bears for the first time this year. It's the first time they've met up this year. And uh, so obviously they're going to have to play each other uh, again late in the year. I think in two or three weeks they play each other again. And uh, that's important because these have been the two best teams in the North by far. I mean, compete. I mean, who else, who else is in the North? The Lions. Um, they've been the two best teams in that division by far. And they've been going neck and neck. Uh, they're tied right now for first place in the division. And uh, this game is going to ha- give the winner obviously a huge advantage uh, going forward because uh, obviously you get a win against a division opponent. You jump up a game, uh, they fall a game back. It's, it's, it's a huge game for both of these teams. The Vikings are coming off of a bye, but this year I've noticed teams coming off of a bye have been really disappointing. They haven't, uh, usually if you get a bye, the, the first game back, you're, you're well rested, you're well, you have a good game plan going. That hasn't been the case for most teams in the NFL this year. Um, the Vikings have a great coaching staff. I don't think it will. I don't think it's a negative thing that they had to buy this week. But I don't buy into they've had two weeks to prepare for the Bears, um, because who do you prepare for if you're preparing for the Bears? You prepare for Matt Nagy, and he's not playing. Matt Nagy has single-handedly justified the Bears trading up. Well, maybe not entirely, but he's making a case to ju- justifying trading up for Mitchell Trubisky. It was one of the craziest draft day moves in the in the first round, maybe. Ever, I mean, it was crazy to give up the farm to get Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, year one, it looked like it wasn't working, similar to Jared Goff. Now, uh, Matt Nagy has turned Mitchell Trubisky into the newest member of the young quarterback class um, that we all like to throw people in. Carson Wentz, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, all those guys. Mitchell Trubisky is now a member of that club. He's been fantastic these, this season. This whole season, he's been really great. Um, and the Bears' defense, obviously, has been dominant all year long Khalil Mack is healthy uh he played last week and he was dominant and he's getting another week of rest uh well maybe not rest but he's uh another week removed from his uh from his injury he's gonna be back tonight I actually like the Bears at home this week uh 29 to 20 and here's I the Vikings are really good obviously they have Adam Thielen Stephon Diggs they have weapons um they have more stars they have more um set stars on the Vikings than uh the Bears do but I feel like Kirk Cousins, I guess I was sort of wrong on that because they said Kirk Cousins was going to not not necessarily be the savior of the Vikings franchise, but he was, uh, I didn't really understand why people were so down on Kirk Cousins. I thought he was a lot better than what people were saying. And I guess I was wrong because he's been about above average this year, which is what Kirk Cousins has been for the most of his career. And I thought um, just him being in Washington was a bad situation. I thought him coming to Minnesota was really going to uh, propel him to the top five, the upper echelon of quarterbacks. And uh, I was wrong on that one. So I feel like Kirk Cousins will turn the ball over at least one time in this game. That'll be the difference. Bears 29-20. to 20. And uh, the last game, it's a good one uh, in the NFL. Chiefs at Rams. I cannot, I've said this at least five times this year. I've said this is the best game of the entire regular season. And I meant it. And But now this one is officially. The, there's not going to be any better game than this one. I promise you that. I will not say that any game uh, after this point is is the best game of the regular season because it's this one. The Rams and the Chiefs, that one's going to be played in L.A., not uh, Mexico City. Uh, the field was just, just botched. It was horrible. I mean, it was just a horrible situation in Mexico City. And I, di- I think, I feel like the NFL didn't expect for, maybe not necessarily the Rams, but for the Chiefs to be as good as they've been this year because the NFL doesn't really send the best games 
uh, of the week overseas uh, to London or to Mexico City. They kind of send teams like the Raiders, the Seahawks, like like big big name teams, but not that aren't necessarily that good because they want their best players and their best teams uh, in the most comfortable environment uh, possible because they want the best game possible for the fans, the consumers. So I don't think I think in the preseason the NFL didn't expect the Chiefs to be as good as. Uh, as they are, so that's why they sent this game over to Mexico City, and uh, I think they were glad. I, I think honestly, the NFL was glad to, to have a reason to pull it uh, back and put it into the states. Uh, obviously, nothing against having games in, Mex- in Mexico City or in London, but I think you want your best games. That you don't want any kind of uh, excuses or anything, anything taken away from the football part of it. In the Super Bowl, that's why they play Super Bowls in domes and brand new stadiums because they don't want the Super Bowl played in Buffalo where it's it's four inches of snow. Uh, in the end zone, you don't want anything taken away from the football part of it. So I think that's uh, ultimately a good thing for the NFL to move this game back into LA, um, and it's good for the, all the people who are suffering from the wildfires uh, in California. A lot of first responders and people who have uh, uh, been affected by the wildfires are getting free tickets uh, for that game on Sunday. So uh, kudos to the Rams, good on them. Uh, but now let's get into the football part of it, like the analysis. This is what I don't get paid for: the analysis part of. Uh, the game. Since the Rams have lost on the road to one of the best team, top three teams in the NFL on the road, uh, that being the Saints, a lot of people are kind of down on the Rams and jumping off the bandwagon. Um, not me. I've, I still think the Rams are the best team in the NFC. Uh, as dumb as that sounds, they lost to the Saints, but I still would say that the Rams are better than the Saints. If you played that game in LA, I think the Rams win that one. If you played it again in New Orleans, I'd still put my money. <clears throat> excuse me. I'd still put my money. Uh, on the Rams to win that one, even in uh, the Big Easy. So, with that, with that being said, um, the Chiefs, man, they're so, so good. They're they're a great team, and they figured out how to play defense. They figured out how to get enough stops uh, for Patrick Mahomes. And even, even if they didn't get stops, he's more than capable of putting up 50 points a night. This game's going to be so much fun because obviously the Rams can put up 50 uh, at any given point, and I don't see the Chiefs' defense. Uh, clamping down on the Rams but they will get enough stops they will get enough stops uh, against the Rams and the reason I'm going to take the Chiefs this week uh, ironically after I said I wasn't jumping off the Rams bandwagon but I'm taking the Chiefs because they have more stars on offense they they do I mean Tyreek Hill is better than Robert Woods they have Travis Kelsey uh, obviously Kareem Hunt Todd Gurley is the best running back uh, in the league but Kareem Hunt's not far behind him and Patrick Mahomes is undoubtedly better than Jared Goff he's better than a whole lot of, of Maybe 30 other quarterbacks in the whole league. No, that's too far. Maybe 29 other quarterbacks uh, Patrick Mahomes is better than. He's not better than Aaron Rodgers yet. Uh, I'm still giving Tom Brady the edge because he's got five rings and Drew Brees. Am I leaving anyone out? Maybe Russell Wilson? Okay, so 28, about 27 other quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes is better than. So Jared Goff falls into the ladder in this situation. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Uh, man, it's going to be a fun game. I didn't put a score down. Or did I? No, I didn't. I didn't put a score down, so we're going to get to hit. We're going to go ahead and choose this score live, everybody. Uh, I'll take the Chiefs in this one. Uh, what do you guys think? Like 42, 35, 38? I mean, this is going to be a really uh, high-scoring game. The Chiefs will get enough stops, um, and they're going to give the Rams defense all they can handle. I mean, the Rams defense, they couldn't stop. Uh, yeah, the Rams defense couldn't stop. Uh, I almost said St. Louis. They couldn't stop New Orleans, the Saints. They couldn't stop the Saints uh, in New Orleans. And I feel like Patrick Mahomes' offense is a little bit better than Drew Brees' offense, his weapons. Um, so, And the, the Saints gave the Rams all they can handle. So uh, I actually I like the Chiefs in this one. I like the Chiefs. Yeah, let's say 42-38. It's going to be a, a high-scoring game uh, in L.A. 
uh, what we come to expect. We, we've come to expect uh, shows in L.A., so that's we're going to go ahead and be uh, looking forward to that. So that's all of our uh, NFL this week, and all of our football, I should say, period. And we have a whole lot of basketball. What are we at, half an hour? Um, I'm going to need this entire half hour because we have a lot of NBA to cover. A lot happened this week. Um, it's the best sport to talk about. There's so much you could talk about so much stuff other that has nothing to do with basketball. And you don't even have to talk about what teams or players do on the court because what they do off the court and on social media is just it's so much fun. That's why the NBA. Um, I, I can't say they've they've passed the NFL. Are they more fun than the NFL? I, okay, the players' personalities are way more. Um, not impactful. What's the word I'm looking for here? They're definitely more engaged with the fans than the NFL uh, players. That is for sure. There's bigger personalities in the NBA, and I guess that's what makes the NBA more um, dramatic than the NFL uh, because you have players that are just such big personalities, and there's just a different storyline. There's just so much drama going on every single week, and this week we got a whole we got a whole bunch. We have an hour's worth of, uh, of show, and we have to squeeze that into uh, 28 minutes here. So we're going to go ahead and do that first NBA topic we have today. It's over. It's finally over. We didn't, we're done. We don't have to mention this after we're done with this segment. Ever again, breaking news, Jimmy Butler has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. It's, it's over. I never have to talk about uh, Jimmy Butler's whining. Well, actually, that's not true because he's a free agent at the end of the summer. So uh, hold on that one. But for until the summer, until the end of the office, until the end of the regular season, I don't have to talk about Jimmy Butler anymore. I can't even say that because you never know with Jimmy Butler. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. He's been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. He's out of the he's out of Minnesota. Um, uh, good job to uh, uh, great for Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. They finally get to have some fun uh, playing basketball for once. So. Uh, the T-Wolves traded Jimmy Butler to the 76ers for Robert Covington and Dario Saric, two-for-one trade. They did this um, passing up. See, okay, we're going to break this down on both sides. We're going to break down what this means for both sides of the trade, uh, Minnesota and then Philly. So let's go ahead and do that. First off, Minnesota. They traded Jimmy Butler to Minnesota. Excuse me. No, they didn't. They traded Jimmy Butler to Philly, to Philadelphia. Minnesota did. They traded him to Philly for Dario Saric and Robert Covington, who are great, good players. They're not great. They're good players. They're serviceable. They're not bums. But Minnesota botched this deal. I mean, they just this was about the worst possible package they could have gotten. Uh, this tells me that they they just they could have waited. I mean, this tells me that they 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 could have waited till February, the trade deadline, right before the All Star break, and gotten a huge deal. Um, if we're in November still, you have December, January, February, like three months, two and a half months. They could have waited. They wanted to get this done as quick as possible. They didn't. They didn't care about the return. Um, they passed up four first-round picks um, from the Rockets, and the Pelicans were also, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, also in the conversation to get Jimmy Butler. Um, but what broke the deal with the Pelicans or made them not as competitive as the Rockets or the Sixers, uh, they didn't want to give up two first-round picks or many first round picks for that matter and i think that's what uh broke the deal with the the pelicans cuz in okay let's let's first address the rockets deal um i get why maybe this year and maybe next year's first round picks from the rockets wouldn't have too much value because if you put jimmy butler uh on the rockets with james harden and chris paul i they're going to give the warriors a run for their money they pushed with golden state to seven games last year 
you could uh, they probably could beat Golden State uh, this year with Jimmy Butler, uh, James Harden, and Chris Paul, especially with the turmoil that's going on in. Uh, uh, I was gonna say OKC in Oakland right now. We're gonna definitely get into that in a little while. Um, the Rockets would definitely have an edge uh, going uh, playing the Warriors this year. They almost beat them last year. You add Jimmy Butler, who's a great two-way player. Uh, this year, I mean, that would be a really scary matchup. The Rockets have been struggling also, so that would kind of uh, give them some juice going forward. But four years worth of draft picks, and you're not going to take that that chance because it's no guarantee. I mean, this year, yeah, you're not going to get much. You're probably going to get a 27th overall pick or 28th, something like that. Um, but there's no guarantee Jimmy Butler uh, resigns with Houston. You don't know what Jimmy Butler's going to do, so you lose Jimmy Butler uh, this coming summer if you're a Houston. Uh, Chris Paul has shown... Uh, that he's he's uh, had some injury problems over the last few years. Um, who's to say he's playing at a at a top at a high level it, in the next four years? You're telling me Chris Paul's still going to be a top ten, top five point guard? I don't know. Now with his injury history, um, I don't know about that one. And then you leave James Harden all by himself, or maybe not by himself, but Chris Paul with a um, a shell of a man, Chris Paul. I don't know how good the Rockets are going to be. You didn't want to take that chance, so they passed a four four first round picks. Uh, that's that's pretty hard to do to say you're not you don't think the Rockets are gonna be a bad or that pick's gonna have any value for four years you don't know what the Rockets are gonna look like four years from now in four years from now it's gonna be 2022 now when I say the year 2022 the, that sounds like the future I mean like like flying cars or something and that's only four years from now so you have no idea what the Rockets are gonna look like and they didn't want to take that chance and this is the one that I really thought they should have went after. Uh, is the Pelicans even two? I would have taken two first-round picks from the Pelicans, maybe three, um, for Jimmy Butler. You don't even have to give me any players because, uh, like I said, with the Rockets, it's the same thing I'll say for the Pelicans. There's no guarantee that Jimmy Butler uh, resigns in New Orleans, and there is there is a there is a guarantee that he doesn't resign should Anthony Davis be on the move because there's no way Jimmy Butler's going to stay in New Orleans by himself without Anthony Davis. Um, so that the first round pick this year, obviously Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler, uh, they're going to be pretty good. They uh, definitely a playoff team, uh, maybe a fourth or fifth seed. I mean, they're like that good. Jimmy, uh, that's how good Anthony Davis is. If you give him a competent uh, wing like uh, Jimmy Butler, an All Star, uh, New Orleans could be pretty scary. But that brings us back to: Should Anthony Davis leave? Should Jimmy Butler leave? The New Orleans Pelicans are easily the worst team in the NBA without Anthony Davis. And definitely, they don't even have Jimmy Butler now. But without Anthony Davis, the Pelicans are awful. They're easily the worst team uh, in the league. So that second first-round pick is a top-three lottery pick. Now, you miss out this year uh, on the Zion Williams, uh, Williamson sweepstakes and the R.J. Barrett sweepstakes. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's really cold in here. Um, but next year, you, def- you get a top-three pick almost guaranteed I mean, of course, the NBA has those confusing clauses, top three protected, top five protected. But at that point, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make that trade. You'd have to get a straight-up first-round pick. So the T-Wolves passed up on that. They didn't want to wait. This tells me they just wanted to get rid of Jimmy Butler. They wanted the headache to be over, which I can see that side of it. But at, by the same time, you are running a franchise, and every move you make should have the... Um, you should have an idea in mind. Like this, this tells me that not only did they want to get rid of Jimmy Butler as quickly as possible for any pro- and they didn't want to send him to the west that tells me one thing they did not want to see him uh as much as off as they wanted to see him as little as possible 
So they sent him to the east because rockets, obviously, in the west, the pelicans in the west, they didn't want to see him uh, often. But what that also tells me is that they are banking on Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins being the faces of the franchise and possibly being the next dynamic duo of the NBA. It's not going to happen, but that's what the Timberwolves are banking on because Sarge and Covington are good players, but like I said, they're complementary players. They're not guys we're going to carry the franchise. Obviously, they're not superstars. They're not all-stars. So that tells me the Timberwolves are hoping that they're going to complement uh, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, which I don't think will work. I mean, this is gonna, the Minnesota. They just botched their franchise. They're going to go back down to being the Minnesota Timberwolves once Carl uh, Anthony Towns, he's going to end up leaving. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, is he never quite lived up to his potential, and they're going all in on those two guys. So uh, I didn't like this deal at all for Minnesota. So what does that mean for the Philadelphia 76ers? They obviously won this deal getting the All-Star, and they're good. but what it tells me is that the process is over. They're done with the process. There's no more processing it's time to win and win now. They're, they're, they're going all in for this year because, again, you have no idea if Jimmy Butler's going to resign. You don't, Jimmy Butler doesn't know what Jimmy Butler wants to do. I mean, on any given day, he can decide he wants to resign, then he can decide he wants to demand a trade. I mean, you have no idea what Jimmy Butler's going to, what he's going to want. So the Philadelphia 76ers, they're not planning for the future anymore. They're planning for the now, the present. And you have Jimmy Butler from now until. At least May. I mean, the Sixers, the Sixers are getting into the playoffs. I mean, that much we know. Uh, what seed they're going to have and how far they go, that obviously remains to be seen. But adding Jimmy Butler puts them back into the upper echelon, not just in the East, but in the entire league. I feel, personally, I think this move puts them over the Raptors. As good as the Raptors have been, um, they only have one superstar and two all-stars, that being Kyle Lowry, uh, Kawhi Leonard, the superstar, and Kyle Lowry, the all-star. Um, I think you could have figured that out anyway. But now the Sixers have Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler. They're lacking the depth on the bench. Uh, they're currently going after Contavious Caldwell-Pope from the Lakers. Um, so we'll see how that... That would be a pretty good move for them because, yeah, you'd add depth uh, to their bench. They can go after Kyle Korver. As much shooting as they need. They already have J.J. Redick, but if you had Kyle Korver to that team, that's another uh, three-point uh, sniper that they'd have on that team. But I feel like this puts them over the Raptors. Um, I felt like they were better than the Celtics last year. Uh, everyone was really high on the Celtics this year, as was I. I picked the Celtics to go to the finals and uh, lose to the Warriors in seven. But they've been, uh, I- I'm not panicking on the Celtics. They're going to be just fine. I mean, the regular season, if you're one of the true title contenders, the regular season does not matter to you. You're going to get into the playoffs. Um, it's all about the It's all about the postseason. So uh, I'm, the Celtics are fine. They're going to be just fine come, uh, come uh, June and May and June. I was going to say July, but the playoffs don't go that far. So that brings us back to the Sixers. I feel like this puts them right back in the conversation. They definitely passed the Bucks, who have been really impressive this year. But, um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a season, not a veteran in the sense he's old, but he's been, in the, he's been around the block a couple times. He's been in the playoffs. Uh, the Sixers were in the playoffs last year, but now they have a reliable wing scorer who has seen postseason basketball multiple times. Robert Covington last year, um, during the Sixers' playoff run, as short as it was, I mean, he, he just disappeared. They had no wing score. It was up to Joel Embiid, and the Celtics just took him away. And then it was up to Ben Simmons to shoot uh, three-pointers, and he's allergic to doing that. So that was, that was the formula for beating uh, the 76ers last year. So I think if you add that wing score, you can't take away Joel Embiid now because you have to respect Jimmy Butler. He's not a sniper. I mean, he's not, he's not like a Bradley Beal or, or C.J. McCollum or anything like that, but he can shoot. Joel Embiid, I mean, excuse me, uh, Jimmy Butler... 
has a respectable three-point shot. So you have you have to respect it. Um, I think this is a great move for the Sixers, and they're going all in this year. The pro- there's no more processing. You got to win now, which is kind of a rough, a tough deadline because you have to go through, like I said, the Raptors, the Celtics, and then inevitably the Warriors, which is going to be really tough for those guys. But that's what Philly wants. They're not looking for it. Obviously, they resign them. They have a they have a wider um, title window. But I have no idea if they're going to resign him. Do I think I have no idea? I have no idea if they're going to resign him or not because Jimmy Butler is the ultimate definition of a wild card. You have no idea what he's going to do. Um, that's all your positives for the 76ers. And there's one huge negative in, in trading for Jimmy Butler. And that's that is you just traded for Jimmy Butler, the guy who demanded a trade from Minnesota because he was sick of playing with two young, budding all stars. And you traded him to the one team. In the East, who has two young, budding all-stars in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. This has the potential. It could work. They could get to the finals. I think it could be that. They're not going to win. But this could be. This trade could be so good that they make it to the finals. And this trade could be so good that it explodes in their face. You're talking about Jimmy Butler, one of the, the biggest personalities and the biggest mouths in all of the NBA. And you're putting him with Joel Embiid, who is one of the biggest personalities and the biggest mouths in all of the NBA. I mean, this could... And Jimmy Butler has a reputation of being a horrendous member of the locker room. So um, it could be bad. I I don't think it will. But this has the potential of exploding in Philly because Joel Embiid is not one to keep his mouth shut. Like Carl Anthony Towns did, uh, Jimmy Butler walked into the Minnesota uh, practice facility and we all know what happened there. That's not going to happen with Joel Embiid. And Ben Simmons either. He's not as vocal as Joel Embiid is, obviously, but he's not someone to roll over and let Jimmy Butler walk all over him. So, I mean, this could have the potential of exploding and destroying that locker room. And the 76ers would obviously look really, really foolish if that were to happen. I don't think it will, but it can. Um, they can go. I, the spectrum is just so wide for the Sixers on this deal. They can get to the finals, or they can end up missing the playoffs. I mean, it, that's, how, that's how much chemistry affects uh, your, your basketball team. It could really, really destroy this team. I don't think it will, but it could happen. Uh, so that's your Jimmy Butler story there. Now we have the other major story. There's so much NBA. I only have 15 minutes left. I don't. I have no idea how I'm going to fit all this into here, into 15 minutes. But here we go. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. Um, they got in. They got into it uh, very publicly uh, the other day. I forgot what day it was. They got into a fight uh, at the end of the game because Draymond Green refused to pass it to Kevin Durant, who is the most clutch shooter in the NBA. Number one and number two, his other teammate Stephen Curry obviously was injured, but you have the two most clutch, and then Clay Thompson number three. You have the best, you have the top three clutch three-point shooters on your entire team, and you didn't give it to any one of them. I mean, if Draymond Green had thrown it out of bounds to Stephen Curry in his suit, I would have been okay with that because at least he has the presence of mind to get it to a three-point shooter and not dribble it off of his foot and end up losing in overtime. That was just it was a dumb move. That was just so dumb of him. Uh, So that tells me they had. There was something building up to that before that game because why would you not give it to Kevin Durant? He's the best overall scorer in the league right now, maybe ever, and you just refuse to give it to him. He's begging for the ball to win the game, and you didn't give it to him. Uh, and that uh, turned into what in NBA insiders uh, called the worst um, fight. I love saying fight. Like these guys are just—they're like—they're like little kids. They're just bickering all the time. The worst fights. Uh, in the Golden State dynasty thus far, and some people went as far as to say Kevin Durant is as good as gone. There's no way he's coming back to Golden State, and that that just blows my mind. I can't believe uh, it would even get to that point. 
Uh, I don't have I don't have a lot of time here. Uh, the Warriors uh, to extend an olive branch to Kevin Durant. They suspended Draymond Green for a whole game without pay, which is a pretty big deal in the NBA. Uh, to kind of show Kevin Durant, hey, we have your back, we have your support, or you have our support, uh, and that's not enough to me. What they, the Golden State Warriors need to do is they have to trade away Draymond Green yesterday. They got to get rid of him. They got to get him out of the. They got to have to get. They got to get him out of the franchise. He's no good to the Warriors at all. He plays defense. I get it, but guess what? Come January, you're getting another Draymond Green in the form of DeMarcus Cousins. You're going to have two of those loud mouths, two of those instigators on the team, I mean, which makes, is if my math is correct, twice as many fights. So they have to get rid of Draymond Green. Watching last year's playoffs, the Warriors were winning games in spite of Draymond Green. He can't, you can't count on him for more than 10 points a game. Um, he's not in the, he can't defend like the wing. Like he's not going to lock up James Harden. They have Klay Thompson doing that. What do you need Draymond Green for? Get rid of him. And by getting rid of Draymond Green, you save a whole bunch of money that you could use in spending on Kevin Durant. Hello, if your number one goal is to re-sign Kevin Durant, which the Warriors have said it is and it should be, um, you have to get you have to throw as much money as you possibly can at Kevin Durant. Uh, bring him back. You have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, um, and then whoever they trade for Draymond Green. Get a bench player. I don't care. The Warriors have the best depth in the NBA. Get more. I mean, they, Draymond Green. He's he's just a pest to the entire NBA. All 30 teams, all 30, yes, including the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green is too much trouble. He's more trouble than what he's worth. They got to get rid of him. I don't think this is an overreaction. Uh, they were seen talking and, and kind of uh, working things out today. But, I mean, they had, like Kevin Durant said, this is a long season. We're going to have to speak to each other at some point. That doesn't mean they like each other. It doesn't mean everything's all everything's perfect. They got to get rid of Draymond Green. So that takes us to more basketball. The quote of the week, and we got to make a quick uh, quote. Let me find it. That was a, that was a lot of build up for nothing. Quote, I honestly think Melo should retire. Tracy McGrady on the jump when they were addressing Carmelo Anthony is supposed to, uh, is suspected of being released by the Houston Rockets. And as they should, I have a lot, a lot to say on that in only, uh, what is this, seven minutes now. So let's get to it. Yes, he does need to retire. Tracy McGrady, you're 100% right. He's finished. He's extinct and he's expired. Carmelo Anthony does not belong in the NBA. He needs to get, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's frustrating to me because he, he absolutely does not belong in the NBA in 2018. He doesn't belong in the NBA in 2012. Carmelo Anthony hasn't been a top 20 player since he had cornrows and his jersey said Nuggets. He's, ap- he's extinct. What use is he to anyone? He's an isocentric player who cannot shoot He's pretty good out of the post. I'll give him that much, but he doesn't run and he doesn't play defense. What use is he to anyone? There's another guard. There's another wing in the NBA who is isocentric. He likes to get to the rim. He's great scoring from the post, but he has his ward shooting three-pointers. His name is Dwayne Wade. What's he up to these days? He's on his farewell tour. He's retiring. He's, He's leaving the league. Dwayne Wade understands it's over. Carmelo Anthony's stubbornness and defiance to admit his time is done it's it's nauseating Carmelo Anthony he needs to get out of the NBA and a lot of people are wondering he has a great legacy I mean he dampened his legacy in New York Um, he's staining his legacy now with uh, OKC and with Houston and wherever he lands next 
and a lot of people are connecting him to the Lakers. That would be the dumbest possible team in the NBA you could put Carmelo Anthony on. Why? Because the Lakers love pace. They lead the league in pace. They run up and down the floor. Carmelo Anthony's just lazy. He doesn't run. He's a half-court guy. Why would he run? He's a half-court uh, ISO guy. The Lakers are full of playmakers. They love passing. They love making the extra pass and dumping it down. Carmelo Anthony is a black hole with the basketball. You give it to him, and you're not going to see it again for the rest of the quarter. I mean, he, he needs the entire shot clock to get off a shot because he has so many ISO moves, and he has to get to the post, and then he has to use his post moves there. That would be that would be a disaster to have him go to the Lakers. It would never work. It would just it would be a horrible fit. He needs to either, ironically, go back to the Hawks where he spent about 15 minutes with that franchise. He needs to go to a, a tanking team who's going to allow him to be the number one scoring option because the only way he's going to work is if he's the number one. He can't be the number two or three because a number two or three is usually a spot-up shooter or a guy with, yeah, a quick pull-up shot. He, that's not him. He needs all 24 seconds to get off a shot. So if he went to Atlanta, he'd be the num- the primary option. Or he might not even be the primary option in Atlanta. You got Trey Young and Tarion Prince and John Collins is coming back. Uh, he needs to retire. Well, I mean, okay, I lied. That's There's one place, there is one perfect opportunity for Carmelo Anthony to play and to, to shine. There's one place I think that he can really revive his career, and that's in the big three. That is the end of our show today. Very emotional end to the show this week. Uh, we just made it. Can't believe we got through all of that uh, in time. Uh, You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Anchor Podcasts. Uh, Next week, it is confirmed, we will be having uh, our Thanksgiving special. Uh, We're still working out some uh, potential guest appearances, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, We're going to have some stuff planned uh, next Thursday. It'll be Thanksgiving. We will definitely have a show. It'll be early in the morning because we want to get it in before the games start. And on Thanksgiving, the games start a little bit earlier than they do on uh, uh, traditionally on Sunday. So it will be an early uh, special Thanksgiving edition of Crowd Noise. You can look forward to that uh, one week from today. Uh, go ahead and share this podcast with your friends. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it, guys. And I will talk to you next week.